this goes right back to that mindset piece because if you start to think that there's no money out there for you, there's no money out there for you, right? Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. We are joined today by Jane Atkinson. She is the author of The Wealthy Speaker 2.0 and the founder of The Wealthy Speaker School. Jane has been helping speakers catapult their careers for nearly 30 years. And she's also the author of The Epic Keynote and The Wealthy Speaker Daily Success Planner, Planner and Journal. So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast and I want to dive into all things speaking because I know a lot of my clients either want to speak on podcasts or they want to speak on stages or they do speaking as part of their um, business model. And I know you will have a ton of insights. Can't wait to hear them. First though, tell us about your journey. Like where did you, how did you get into this line of business. What, what is your business journey built been kind of contextualize it for us? So I have been in the speaking field for over 30 years. That's kind of where I'm drawing the line. I will never say 40. I'll just say over 30 years. (laughs) And uh, when I was 25 years old, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I was the queen of getting jobs. I had lots of great corporate jobs. I had lots of interesting jobs. You know, I worked on a fishing trawler. I worked at a ski resort. I worked for an airline. I had all kinds of interesting jobs, but I didn't have a career per se. And so at age 25, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I stumbled across a uh, a Live Your Dreams PBS special like public broadcasting. I recorded it on my VHS tape and I watched it over and over again. Les Brown, who I hope to interview on my podcast in short order, Les Brown delivered this Live Your Dreams talk and I thought, that's it. I wanna go and work for a motivational speaker. He was telling me things that I hadn't thought of before. You know, I hadn't read a book since college, so it was like, library on wheels is your car and read books and things like that. He had all kinds of these ideas. And so I thought, that's it. I want to go and work for a motivational speaker. And you know that saying, be careful what you wish for. Ta-da. Probably within a month of saying that, I had my first job as a marketing director for a motivational speaker. I represented her you know, basement office, straight commission for three years, doing the grind, learning the business. Then I got recruited out to Vancouver, uh, you know, instead of in this in this basement office, it was more like the corner office, uh, working next to the big boss. He was a big magazine magnet and publisher, and we were flying around on private jets and helicopters. I totally sabotaged that one because I wasn't quite ready to make all this money. So I took another job down in Texas, started over at ground zero and worked my way back up to the six figure income. And after I had represented so many speakers as like a business manager, people started to ask me, how did you do that? And I thought, "Mm, maybe someday I'm gonna pay, you know, make people pay for this. And so I returned to Canada a little while later and became a coach. And so for the last 17, 18 years, I've actually had my own coaching practice. I love it. And you're coaching people on how to speak or how to get the speaking gigs or a little bit of both. 
We really lean towards business. That's not to say inside our school, there's like a chunk there that could be a course on how to present all by itself virtually and, and uh, on stage presenting. But for the most part, how do you get the speaking engagements? I say that I help people add zeros to their income. I love it. I love it. So yeah. give us some tips. Mike, what, what, is, what do you look for in someone's existing business model that would allow you to sort of figure out they need to do this or they need to do this? Like, how do you assess and, and, or is it a one size fits all for pretty much all speakers? Actually, I think it's probably not unlike you, you know, the advice that you might give is you need to pick a lane in terms of topic, think about what you want to be known for five years from now. A lot of people try to straddle like two or three different outcomes and objectives in their business. And that's very hard to do. It's very hard to market. So figuring out what you want to be known for, uh, and picking a lane. And when people come to me and they know, you know, who their audience and what their lane is, it makes it uh, so much easier, but it's certainly something that we help people with. I would say that's a really good starting point is really gaining clarity. What am I selling here? What problem am I helping people solve? Okay. And when you, when you get clarity on this, then mm -hmm. what would be your first action in terms of really building a speaking business? So we have a process called Ready, Aim, Fire. In the ready stage, you get that clarity, you pick your lane, you develop some marketing language. We call it a promise. Some people call it, you know, the unique selling proposition, whatever it might be. Decide who your audience is going to be. That's your ready stage. And then you check that box. Then you would want to develop some marketing materials. And for the most part, that might mean your website. If you're further along and charging higher fees, it might be a website and a video for, for the most part, just getting started. It's probably going to be a website that allows people to see immediately how you're going to help them. And then you would fire. And in the fire stages, we're kind of moving that out towards our target markets. And that's the part that kind of keeps on going. You want to start reaching out to the right people. How are you going to do that? set up all your social media channels and all of the other things that you might do when you're rolling out a new business. Okay. And what are, what are the things that you see? You've worked with a lot of people. So when you see someone become very successful as a speaker, what mm -hmm. are the commonalities that you see that they've really embraced and put into play? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the flip side to that too. Like when you see someone who's got so much going on for him or her, um, my audience is primarily a her. So, mm -hmm. so much going on for her. And yet she doesn't, do certain things or have a certain mindset and then doesn't get the results she wants. Can you, do you have like a, like you've been doing this for 30 years. Can you like, can you describe like, this is what give like leads to success and this is what leads to stopping or getting off track or making it harder? Well, I'll tell you when I think about kind of three examples of people who have just become rock stars in the industry. One is Kendra Hall. She speaks on storytelling. Kendra decided that she was going to start her business. First of all, she decided, 
you know, kind of who she was going to be in my eyes. She's like, I'm going to be your next superstar. And she made a claim and that was really cool. So she decided that she was going to be big. And I know that the mindset part is huge in this. Um, and then she went out and she just started, um, she had a very concise email. She said, I'm going to send this out 600 times. That's what she did. Went and played all the dates that came from the 600 emails recognize that, oh, I'm going to have to keep that going, did another 600. And now today, fast forward, you know, she's got 25,000 followers on Instagram and best selling books and on and on and on. She's just a rock star in the industry. So the person who she told me she was going to be like was Ryan Estes. He um, came also from a sales background. And I'm trying to think of what is the common thread between the three of them. He said, I am going to become a seven figure speaker. And he started down the path. Now, did he take a few detours? He did. He didn't have the same level of confidence out of the shoot that Kendra did. And so he took a few side sidebars and, you know, partnered up with people that he didn't really need and uh, went forward that way. And but he was a sales guy through and through and just sitting at his kitchen table smiling and dialing i mean to kendra's 600 emails he made 600 phone calls a month and just kept going and going and going and going so persistence just doing all the right things on a consistent basis and then i think about judy holler who really has done the same thing you know when you get through the ready aim fire process doing those fire activities on the regular. Now, Judy's somebody to watch on Instagram, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R. She's blowing up Instagram uh, and booking tons and tons of speaking business because of her videos and different things that she's doing, but she's doing it all consistently. I would say like a, ten, as a consistent tenacity has been it. But the beginning point of the beginning part of this conversation was all about mindset. They just decided what they wanted it to look like and went for it. Yeah. Well, you know me with mindset. I think that's super, super clear. So it's, important. Like, it's like the, the thing that that makes it or breaks it for people, but totally. it needs to be backed up by the action and what I heard you say was it wasn't just the consistent and the persistent action which is absolutely hugely important yeah. but there was quantity there there was yes. like when you're talking about sending the 600 emails and then doing it again or making those yeah. phone calls there was quantity there mm. and this is where I think the that the mindset piece comes into play so so powerfully is that oftentimes people send one or two or three emails, they don't get the response that they want and they think they're, they're doing it wrong or something's bad or yeah. the sky is falling and they're, they get hooked by the stories in their, their mind about why this isn't working and they should retreat and not do it. And instead, yeah. there is something to be said for, it, it's a little bit of a harsh framing, but it's a numbers game. You know, you're not gonna totally. meet you know, everyone's not going to be the, the exact right fit, but you do need to put yourself out there multiple times. And, and would you say that you have to put yourself out there multiple times to the same people? Like there's, there's uh, going yeah. what is through. It like, it's like the seventh time or something. Uh, I have some clients who take a lot of pleasure 
actually one of my associate coaches inside our school, takes a lot of pleasure at framing up emails in a way that will get a chuckle at the other end. And so he'll say, you know, really silly things to them to try to get them to respond. And sometimes it takes seven emails in order to get that. And then all of a sudden it led to a phone call, a discovery call. So uh, yeah, the persistence plus the mindset plus that consistency, and it is totally a numbers game. Some people though, let's say take go back to Kendra there might be another client beside her that says okay I'm going to go quality over quantity and it's going to be this really meaningful interaction so um Erin Gargan actually is a speaker who is out there talking about influence and persuasion and so she'll talk about going into their profiles and really reading up and finding some little point of connection. So she wouldn't do 600, she might do 300, but they're going to be a lot more meaningful. And, you know, she's going to do the research and the homework on the front end to make them meaningful. Yeah, so that's I think that's really, I think that's really important. I know that, that one of the ways I built my business was having real connection with people. And it was, it doesn't take much. It does take more than a mass email. Okay. It does take more than just copying and pasting everything the same to everyone, mm -hmm. but you can use sort of your, your fundamental template and then customize it. And, and that's not just a plug and play piece, but it's like, yeah you're thinking about this person and what's going on for them in their lives and what do they need and how, how could I be of help for them? And you, you just give it a little bit of intentionality. It goes yeah. a long way. So it's, so it's so cool. And I love LinkedIn for that. I don't know, you know, you want to be where your audience plays. And for most of our, where we find most of the money in speaking is in corporate and association work. Okay. So my audiences will often play on LinkedIn and you can get so much from somebody's LinkedIn profile and be able to see what their interests and, you know, getting out there and engaging with them before they even connect with you is like, who is this Jane Atkinson person that just keeps commenting on everything I'm doing? Like that would be my goal to talk. You know, if there was a superstar out there that I thought I need to work with that person they go on my hit list and I'm going to engage with them through the side door, you know, comment on their posts and be, you know, active in their lives. hundred percent. I think that's important. How much time do, do suggest people dedicate to that level of engagement on social media and how many people would you say go on the, the connection list? So it's really going to be a difference of which which plan you're going by, right? Are you gonna follow the Kindra one where you're sending out all the emails or are you gonna go do like a more intentional quality versus quantity plan? And so I think if you're gonna be intentional about selling anything, you've gotta mark out on your calendar a certain amount of time per week. And you're gonna decide, is it three hours a week, you know, an hour a day, three days in a row? Is it going to be six hours a week, 10 hours a week, 12 hours a week? I have clients in all ranges and they decide. But what they do is they actually mark it off on their calendar and then they can keep their commitment with themselves when it comes to actually following through and doing the work during those times. 
It's so important. And this is one of those things for, for many business owners, when there's so many things that they're juggling, they can, they can let some of these ongoing, uh, activities that don't necessarily, you're not showing up for a podcast interview. You're not showing up uh, for a team meeting. This is the yeah. work you're doing on your own. And this is what I think drops away for, from people quite a bit and absolutely using your calendar, but also using your commitment to yourself mm. as a, as a tool of leverage is so important. So talk to me a little bit about monetization. So you're expanding your, your speaking business. Do you, mm -hmm. do you suggest that people go to monetize it immediately? And, you know, and, and do you have recommendations for speaking fees and what the industry standard is I and how do you, how do you talk about money? <laughs> talk about money. My Yay! women want to make money. So let's talk oh, about fine. money. Yeah. So what I want you to know is that there are big, big budgets out there for corporate events. One of my besties in the industry works for a big production house and I had her on Clubhouse the other day and I was asking her, you know, what are some of the budgets that you might be working with? She said $7 million, $8 million for, a, for a, a convention, a conference, okay, for an event. And so when it comes down to our little itty bitty, you know, we have to recognize that we're a cog in the wheel. So was that seven million? A whole event, not just for their speaking, but production, everything, the whole. Okay, event. so that's seven. that's a so yeah. You're not paying a speaker seven or eight million dollars, okay? So when it comes to the speaker budget, they might say, okay, um, we're gonna hire four speakers, and we've got a budget of 120, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. So. I want people to recognize that it's not always, um, I just think it's an education when you start to move into Fortune 100 companies to see that they actually do have some fairly large budgets. And a lot of people are thinking, you know, that imposter syndrome, little green goblin on your shoulder who's saying, no, oh, they're never gonna pay you, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, you never know what the budgets might be. So I say in the Wealthy Speaker 2.0 that you're not in the game until you're charging $1,500 per presentation. But our goal is to work up from there. So you're in the, you're in the game at $1,500 per presentation, but then we want to take you to $5,000, $7,500, $10,000, on up to $15,000 and $20,000 and so on. So Ryan and Kendra, for instance, that I talked about earlier, they'd be sitting around $30,000 per presentation, but they're at the top of their game. And so when you're first starting out, I think you want to do some research and find out what your market bears and understand your market. Who is your competition? How much do they charge? And don't compare somebody else's year 10 to your year one. If you see somebody that you might compete with who has been around a long time and they're charging 10K, you might be like, okay, I'm gonna start at 2,500. I'm gonna work my way towards that. You need to do it from a confidence standpoint and also from a craft standpoint. As your presentation gets better and better and evolves and evolves, you're going to feel more confident demanding the fee. Yeah. A couple questions on that. So is there ever a situation in which if you underprice yourself, 
they are going to look at you and say, you're not ready for it our just stage. Happened. It just happened. Yeah. My friend, Chris had a speaking engagement and she put in one of my clients who I had introduced her to. And, um, I had kind of, you know, convinced my client to go in at a higher fee than her normal fee, knowing who I was dealing with. And she said, um, there, so we were putting her in at 10,000 because, and we threw in a few other bells and whistles, but the, the budget was 25, 25,000. And so, uh, that would have been a case where the, if she didn't sell it just right, but she was, she was pulling for us. So that was good. But if she didn't sell it just right, the audience could, the, the buyer could easily think perception that, um, oh, she's only charging 10 K. So she's not that good. Got it. Okay. That, that was a risk we needed to take. I couldn't put her in at 20 and say that's what she's worth when she's normally used to charging, you know, five to 7,500. You're, your psyche is it's too much not there yeah <laughs> so um how does one go about figuring out you you mentioned earlier you need to do some market research now in the example you just gave you had an in right you had a connection there how would you recommend it, for the person, I mean, they should work with you, obviously, but <laughs> if they, if they're not at that stage yet, or they're just getting in and they want to kind of evaluate the situation, how would they figure out if what the, the going rate for a, a speaking gig is? There are some places out there that you can go. So there's a company called eSpeakers that you can search for speakers on eSpeakers Marketplace that's a great place to just go and okay so let's say you speak on a wellness topic you would search wellness speaker and then you would see oh okay here are 20 speakers who speak on wellness how much are they charging that's a little bit of research um it really does pay to kind of have someone on the inside on clubhouse lately i have asked the speakers bureaus numerous times, okay, what are all the hot topics right now? Because of COVID, um, it's like connection and resilience and anything that, uh, mental health, all of those are really hot topics right now. But because of the Black Lives Matter movement and all the things that's been going on in the world lately, it's also diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like there's a lot of topics that are kind of changing as the world changes. So leadership and versions of leadership will probably always be in style. But I think it's really helpful to kind of have an industry in somebody that you can ask questions to. If you don't have that, certainly people could reach out to me. But if you would like, I mean, just talk to your neighbors. Your neighbors might work in corporate. They might be able to tell you some things as well. And, and your goal is to ask them, you know, if I presented you with this, would you lean in with curiosity? That's your goal. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's going to say yes, but don't mean that that should be that you don't pursue it. Got it. And do you ever directly ask your the the speaker, the organizer, what your budget is for for this? Is it? I would. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what, what I've done. What's your maximum budget? And uh, you go from there. Now you don't make up your fee based on what they say, mm -hmm. but you kind of know where you're sitting, and you can start to shuffle your packages. So back to that 
conversation that I had with my friend, <clears throat> I don't know how I would have gotten her fee from ten, you know, from ten up to twenty. But had we known more, we might have put together a, a more robust package that included a few more things in order to get them there. I just I'm very aware of what a $25,000 speaker looks like. And I just didn't want to get my client into hot water. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing you say there is there, there's something to be said for doing yeah. the work, like in increasing and going up the, the naturally the, organically. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet the flip side is don't, don't cut yourself um, short by going too small keep stretching yourself with with what you're asking for for a speaking fee Is I, there honestly, ever a, uh -huh. I honestly think i'm in the business of selling confidence yeah because um sometimes my client doesn't have faith that the money is out there and it's because of my connections and everything that i can see that it is Mm -hmm. But when they have been dealing with kind of local audiences and local budgets, it's easy to get into your head. This goes right back to that mindset piece, because um, if you start to think that there's no money out there for you, there's no money out there for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. Is there ever a situation where you would recommend someone doing uh, speaking for free? Oh, yes. Um, we used to call it back in the day, the rubber chicken circuit. I don't know if you ever heard that term before, but you would go out and basically the goal is in your first, say, three to six months, just go out and speak to anyone who will listen. That's an excellent way to start getting business, right? And your goal is that each freebie doesn't lead to more freebies, but it leads to paid engagement. And when you'd go out and do, you know, the Rotary or the Kinsman or the association of whatever locally, just to practice and get yourself uh, some exposure, they would often at the hotels sell, uh, you know, have a nice chicken lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the chicken. The chicken uh, back then chicken. was yeah, not yeah. very good, but you know, the hotel chicken now is quite delicious. And so we can't call it the rubber chicken circuit anymore, but that's what it was, is that you would get on the rubber chicken circuit and you would just speak to anybody who would listen. And the goal is that at the end of it, you know, you're getting two or three speaking engagement spinoffs paid from every engagement. And is there a strategy for that? Like you, you go and you do the rotary talk, are you saying something in that talk that allows people to go, oh, I should hire her to speak at my blah, blah, blah? Yes. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. First of all, if you decide that, you know, insurance are your people, then you want to do them very strategically and speak inside of insurance in the first place. Right. So you would find the local insurance monthly meetings that you can. So that's one part. The second part is we have a little thing. It's in, in the Wealthy Speaker 2.0. It's called the help me speech. So let's say you're talking to wellness and you're speaking to your insurance audience and you'd say right before your closing story, as you can see, I'm very passionate about wellness. If you know of any associations or companies who could benefit from what we've been talking about today, please come and hand me your business card. So it's just like a little help me speech. It's just basically asking for the sale 101. 
And uh, the more creative you can be in, you know, if you're speaking to a sales audience, hey, we all know the first rule of sales is asking for the business. So this is me doing it. I think it, it can come off um, in a way that's really fine. And then you're, te you're telling them what you want them to do. You're telling them what call to action to take. And the goal is that they're lining up there's 10 people and they're coming and giving you their business cards and you're writing on the back of the card what they said to you so that you can follow up in a meaningful way and say, hey, you know, Joe, you talked to me about, you know, May in Texas. Can, let, let's, can we set up a call? I love it. I love it. And is that the same? So, so here we're talking about paid speaking gigs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're doing a free, free speaking gig, but you're asking for... Um, referrals basically to yes. paid gigs. Now at a paid gig, would you do the same thing or would you like, I, my experience, what I know is that, you know, some paid gigs, it's don't sell from the stage Yeah. and some paid gigs, it's, you can do whatever you want free license. We'd love, love having you here. So yeah. how do you walk that line? You need to yeah. feel it out and you need to um, maybe ask the question, you know, if I were to say this, uh, right before I closed, would that be offensive to you? No, no, that's fine. You know, that little two lines, as you can see, I'm passionate about this. If you know of anybody coming to hand me your card, it's pretty benign. It's not a big, long sales pitch. I have heard people say about a very famous uh, best-selling author that at, you know, the 22 minutes he took up to pitch his books, you know, we were paying, you know, $10,000 a minute or whatever it was that they had calculated, they were mad. And so you definitely want to um, walk a fine line. You definitely want to do it at freebies, but there are speakers out there at Kendra and Ryan and Judy's level. They would not do that. They mm -hmm. would do some sort of text to and that would pull the people from the audience into their world to be following them and to be able to follow up and and uh, sell to them. And some people go a little bit farther than that. But at, as you get up in levels, you have different ways of pulling people into your world that feel like a little bit more streamlined with the fee that you're charging. Yeah. So now that we're in COVID land, right? Yes. Or we've been in COVID land for a while. Yes. I, am I correct to assume that most of these speaking gigs are on Zoom, some sort of virtual platform? We're just now, I am seeing, I've seen one speaker probably do 10 live engagements in the last 30 days. Okay, so, so it's starting it to come back. Becoming, there's this pent up demand for in-person meetings. And so they are starting to come back. The majority of them are probably doing some hybrid element. Mm -hmm. And um, so people need to be prepared for that as well. But I would say uh, we're seeing things coming back with a vengeance. Okay, fantastic. I love that. I love hearing that. We just did a um, hybrid event that was, as you know, partly virtual and partly in person. And so yes. that was really fun to, to see people wanting to travel, willing to travel. Yeah, like and you, that, so. you may always do those from here forward. Once you master it, um, it may be that all events are going to be hybrid. The, the people that I've talked to, meeting professionals, just talk about the expense of streaming. It's not cheap. 
and there's a certain you know there's some elements to it that you know you really are running two separate meetings and that can get very tricky to walk the line so even for my own live events i'm debating you know how am i going to do it am i going to do it this way or that way or i don't know i'm uh, th there's a lot of thought that needs to go into it yeah we're very much in the conversation around that because we did do this hybrid event and of course we've done hybrid events for our, our more intimate two-day retreats, the living room sessions that are like in my living room. And then mm. you know, if someone can't make it, we'll do a little bit yeah. virtual in here. Um, but fundamentally, we've always done either virtual in the, you know, 2020 or, or previous yeah. to that only in person. And so this was our first hybrid event. And there were absolute challenges around that. Lots of things that went really, really well, but we're in the conversation around, you know, is it worthwhile to do them concurrently or is it better to do like, here's the live event from a, from a leadership perspective, from a sales perspective, from yeah. a team perspective, there's a, there's a split focus. And I think, although we could iterate and get better and up our game for sure, mm -hmm. there's a way in which if you split it, you can really do be excellent in in providing the customer service in That's providing the thinking. teaching yeah you and i are on the same page about that because i've been thinking okay i hold my event i record everything and then a week two weeks later i have another event and now i'm hosting them going through the event so we're kind of watching it together and we're engaging together and talking the, you know, and, or they are assigned homework and then we come back and engage or whatever. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I like the idea of having completely separate events because it is very difficult to do them both very well. I just wrote an article for LinkedIn on talking about how professional hosts can I, and I'm recommending them for both, these are big corporate events, um, mm -hmm. for both the live portion and for the virtual portion, that they have a totally separate thing going on for the virtual portion and that they hire a, a professional host for that. So there's lots of balls in the air with regards to uh, how to run those. Yeah. What do you think the difference is between speaking in person and speaking online, online and offline? energy i mean you have to give so much through that camera lens uh when you are delivering virtually so people think oh it's easier and you can wear your slippers and that's lovely <laughs> but um to really truly engage through the lens takes a different level of commitment so kendra said that she did a pre-recorded they took her you know one instead of wanting her 45 minute presentation they gave her 15 minutes and she was pre-recording it and and so she said when she pre-recorded the 15 minutes, she collapsed afterwards. She just gave so much energy through that camera. And then she was watching it go out to 30,000 people live. And so as it was streaming, you know, her Instagram was blowing up and all these things were happening. But yeah, it really takes a lot of commitment and energy and people are just now starting to hit their stride and really learn how to engage that audience through the little 
the little lens. The little lens. Little okay. Lens. Fascinating. So my next question, but I, I love this because Julia on my team who does much of the outreach for, for me and for the company in yes. terms of being on podcasts and, and speaking gigs and speaking on stages, all of that stuff. She, she added this question for okay. you. Okay. Right. It comes directly from her. She right. says, I have someone. Okay. This is Julia. Julia looks into events for me to apply to speak at. What is your advice for finding speaking gigs paid or not paid? So I think the starting point should be drilled down to industry first. And rather than doing like a spray and pray method, it's like, okay, who, what industry do I want to own? I have a client, Sherry Fitz, who is really dominated the financial services arena for a really long time. That is her play. So it may be that you say, this is going to be the niche and we want to stay and really play in there. I think what happens is we go out and we explore and then we forget to continue exploring and we move on to something shining and new. And I would say really go deep into a niche and really um, become known there. And that is how you gain traction. I think everything that we've ever talked about here on today's podcast comes back to some level of consistency. Yeah, Doing love the that. Same thing, being in front of them. Oh, there's Amira again. Maybe we should consider her this year. We didn't, we had her on the list for last year. Let's, you know, if you are there and this is year five of you putting her, putting your name in, you know, they're going to be like, okay, well, they're persistent. We really like that. <laughs> yeah, we really like that in a speaker. So I would say, uh, you know, staying in tune with who your audience is and going deep into a niche and a market. I love that. I love that. Okay. Before I ask my last question for you, <laughs> where can people find you? So the best place to come is speakerlauncher.com. Speakerlauncher.com. We have all kinds of giveaways. So if you want to um, check out our podcast, we talk about everything from soup to nuts on uh, about speaking in there. And we have a ton of blog posts on every topic and you can search our blog and just kind of find out, you know, if you're talking about fees or whatever it might be, you can drill it down by the search tool. Okay, great. We'll put those in the show notes too. Awesome. Okay. So what makes you an unstoppable woman? I would say it has to be a commitment to moving forward every single day. You know, when we talk about the ready, aim, fire process, we have been firing and firing and firing. We have committed to a regular schedule of everything that we do. You know, every Tuesday is a new blog post and a broadcast out to our list. Every Thursday is a new podcast out to our list. And so we've been doing those things consistently for like over a decade, some of them. And what makes me an unstoppable woman is just keep going. There's, I mean, why would I ever stop? I'm, I'm getting it done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Fantastic. So to wrap up this podcast, I really 
love to reflect back to my guests what I think they they shared and showed up uh, in and give you a little bit of my own perspective and gratitude. So I'm super grateful for one, for all the specific specificity in the information that you shared. It really showed your level of expertise. But I think if people listen and just act on some of these very concrete things that you said to do, they will grow their speaker business. And if they are yet to become a speaker, but it's something, and I know it's something that I hear a lot from my clients, they say, I want to be like you on stage doing what you do. Mm-hmm. If that's something that you've said, listen and see what got what what Jane actually said and and because she shared so much and and go act on that. I think it's really important. And one of the things that I think was super important that you mentioned over and over and over again is consistency. It's such a massive tool for success. Yeah. And the the that you see it at all in all these different places in what you do with your your clients, whether it's consistency in terms of like the the outbound marketing that they're doing, whether it's consistency in terms of like getting things on their calendar, whether it's consistency in in how they're showing up for themselves, you know, every day. It, mm. It's so important. And I think you gave us a, a bunch of good examples of that. And really, when I see someone walking their talk on that, I want to highlight it. I want to make that like shine a light on it because it's such an important piece to success. So thank you for showing up in that way. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Okay. So everyone run, don't walk, go check out Jane's stuff. She's got a wealth of information and she's got um, a, a great system for helping you if you are a speaker or you want to be a speaker. And thank you again everyone who's listening and participating. If you loved this podcast, please give us a five-star review, share it with your friends, uh, and subscribe to our podcast. We would be incredibly grateful for all of that. Have an amazing day, rock it out, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for joining us and being part of the Unstoppable Woman movement. We have got a ton of free resources for scaling your business at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. And you can find that link in the description below. So go ahead and check those out. And we'd also love your help in getting our message out to more and more women. If you'd be willing to share this video with all the unstoppable women in your life, that would be fantastic. And while you're at it, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Reviews, likes, and comments are greatly appreciated. We go in and read them all. So thank you for those. And thanks for listening and be unstoppable.